and welcome to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Tiffany Coker, and with Pastor Jeff Cranston, we're on a quest to learn what the Bible teaches about theological topics that many Christians find challenging, confusing, and out of their reach. And we're always aiming to do this in a way that applies to the lives we lead. We do this because we agree with Dr. Sam Storm says, the ultimate goal of theology isn't knowledge, but worship. If our learning and knowledge of God do not lead to the joyful praise of God, we have failed. We want to help you to be strong in your faith doctrinally, knowledgeable in and of the word theologically, and grow in your love for Jesus and others exponentially. Before we dive into today's podcast episode, we want to thank you guys, our listeners, for leaving us ratings and reviews. We are really grateful for each one because that is what helps get the word out about Kitchen Table Theology. We're also very grateful for our partnership with CIU, Columbia International University. For 100 years, they have educated people from a biblical worldview to impact the nations with the message of Christ. They offer undergraduate, graduate, and seminary programs, both on campus and online. You can check it all out at ciu.edu. I know that we have promised you an overview of the gospel according to Luke, and Lord willing, that will be coming next week. But today, we are going to revisit one of our listeners' favorite episodes. Is Russia's invasion of Ukraine found in prophecy of the end times? Pastor Jeff and Jen originally recorded this episode in March of 2022, but the current situation in Russia and Ukraine has many people still asking this question. If you have further questions regarding eschatology and the end times, I encourage you to check out episodes 87 through 99 for our full eschatology series, as well as episodes 148 through 150, most recently for Jeff and Aaron's Q&A on the end times. As always, you can email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Pastor Jeff, we've titled today's podcast, Is Russia's Invasion of Ukraine Found in Prophecy of the End Times? With that in mind, whoo! What direction are we headed in today? I have no idea. (laughs) Well, hi again, everybody. So good to be with you. Jen and I are here in what feels like an early morning. It's not that early, but we're still on the coffee. We are on the coffee train. I have a hot steaming mug of (laughs) Southern Pecan coffee in my kitchen table theology mug. Jen's drinking out of paper cup. I I am. We should have upped your coffee game today. Well, you know, there's so much that we can cover in the topic of eschatology. I mean, you, there's whole podcasts where that's all they ever talk about, mm-hmm. um, especially in light of today's world events. For example, as we are recording this today, uh, the invasion of Ukraine by Russia is less than two weeks old, and this has caused many to wonder if this is all a part of the end times. I mean, it's it's got a covid you know, now Russia's coming down and is is there, you know, it, we ask, is there a relation to what Revelation tells us will happen when it refers to the king of the north? Is that is that Russia and, and so forth? Mm-hmm. And as Russia continues an unprovoked invasion into the nation of Ukraine, I've read that the Ukrainian foreign minister told the United Nations just days ago that an outright war with Russia would be the end of world order. That's scary that is scary (laughs) so others are pondering what the russian president putin what these dangerous acts mean for the the future of international affairs more broadly and amid all of these truly scary events is this lingering theological conversation 
that's been going on for decades around the biblical end times. And then, of course, Russia's theoretical involvement in it. Yeah, because you said theoretical there, because Russia has often been pointed to by Bible scholars as being a pivotal player in end times discussions, because the Bible speaks of a great power from the far north that we read about in Ezekiel. Now, Ezekiel wrote 2,500 years ago that in the last days of history, what many believed are Russia and Iran, they will form a military alliance Mm. to attack Israel from the north. Now, Scripture doesn't specifically name Russia and Iran, Mm -hmm. but when you start to put two and two together, it looks maybe that that's very feasible. So, Bible scholars refer to this eschatological conflict which Ezekiel describes in chapters 38 and 39 of his book as the war of Gog and Magog. You've heard of that one? Gog and Magog. Yeah. I think I've heard of it, but I think probably... They teach you that in Sunday school? Many like myself. No, I did not color a picture of, <laughs> of Gog, Gog and Magog. There was no popsicles or or, <laughs> or puffy paint or anything like that involved. You would have had nightmares. <laughs> So maybe you can help myself as well as many of our listeners probably who really don't know what they are, what that is, or much about any of it. So can you open up some light on that? Sure. And and I'll, I'm going to ask you to help me by okay. reading what Scripture says about it. So sure. the text discusses a Gog of the land of Magog. So G-O-G and Magog, M-A-G-O-G. And Ezekiel points not only to a battle but a victory for the Lord before the Lord's eyes. And so, Jen, if you read from Ezekiel 38, verses 14 to 16 for us, please. Sure. Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to Gog, this is what the sovereign Lord says. In that day, when my people Israel are living in safety, will you not take notice of it? You will come from your place in the far north, You and many nations with you, all of them riding on horses, a great horde, a mighty army. You will advance against my people Israel like a cloud that covers the land. In days to come, Gog, I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. So that sounds like someone is going to attack Israel from the north and that someone is going to lead other nations as well. Mm -hmm. So that's Gog and Magog. Well, like much in the prophetic books, there are undoubtedly many opinions surrounding Gog, Magog, and these intensely complex themes in some of these biblical texts. One of the many sources I use in preparation for all of our podcasts is a website called gotquestions.org, and they provide what I think is a pretty good explanation regarding this power from the north. If it's Russia, uh, possibly. They say this, Gog is a person. Magog is a place, a territory, maybe even a nation. Whoever Gog is, he is from the land of Magog and is the leader of Tubal and Meshech. Now, some translations add Rosh to the list. And this, these are nations. And there's a confederacy of other nations. And they are listed in Ezekiel 38. He mentions Persia, Cush. Put, Gomer, and Beth to Garma. And Gog, whoever he is, will have plans to attack a peaceful and unsuspecting people, which is Israel. 
But regardless of Gog's plans and coming against Israel, the Lord God is against him and will defeat him soundly. Okay, so that's a pretty concise summary of what Ezekiel said. So thank you for that. But I may have a follow-up question. Shocking. (laughs) (laughs) Why is Russia believed to be Magog by so many? Well, if you take out a map and you look to the north from Israel and the Middle East, and these scriptures note God comes from the far north, you'll find Russia, you'll find all the former Soviet territory. So it's not surprising to see so many Bible experts point to this region. One other note, I think worth mentioning here, because I mentioned Iran earlier, is the word Persia. The name Persia is listed among these nations. And Ezekiel says the Persia is going to be an alliance with Gog and Magog. Well, Persia is modern-day Iran. So considering current affairs and trajectories, that piece is raising a lot of eyebrows if Iran were to join in. Okay, so don't try to squeeze out of that one, this one. Let's go back to today's question. Is Russia's invasion of Ukraine found in prophecy of the end times? Yeah, we did kind of not answer that, didn't we? Well, we skirted it a yeah, little bit. I think the answer is not necessarily. Mm. How's that for, I should be a politician. <laughs> and as he says this, he's holding a pin with the, with the thumb in place yeah. as if he were at a podium. Yes. So yes, perhaps so. I think the best politician answer I ever heard, the guy said, well, they asked him about a particular issue, and he said, I've got friends on this side of the issue, and I've got friends on the other side of the issue, and I stand with my friends. Oh, gosh. So that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> there you go. Is, is Russia's <laughs> invasion of Ukraine found in prophecy of the end times? Not necessarily. Mm. But we certainly should be looking toward the former Soviet Republic countries as possibly being where Gog and Magog originate. Mm. Uh, generally... That area is a key player in end-time events. We know that. Does that mean it's Russia? Well, it could be, and certainly many believe exactly that. Now, Scripture does not prophesy Russia's invasion of Ukraine specifically. Mm -hmm. It's not in the Bible. But we should always keep our eyes toward the far north of Israel, knowing that one day that leader, whoever it may be, will attack Israel along with other nations And again, when you look at the Ezekiel list and you put it over our present world uh, map, it's most likely you've got Iran, Turkey, some other hostile nations that are going to come against Israel. Ezekiel also names Ethiopia and Libya. Hmm. And this army under Gog, Gog again will be that leader, will be so great that we read this, you and all of your allies, a vast and awesome army, will roll down on them, that's Israel, like a storm and cover the land like a cloud. That's Ezekiel 38, 9. And let's not miss this part of of that prophecy. God will defeat that northern army and its leader. So Ezekiel 38, 3 and 5, 3 through 5 say, Gog, this is the Lord speaking, Gog, I am your enemy. I will turn you around and put hooks in your jaws to lead you out with your whole army, your horses and charioteers in full armor, and a great horde armed with shields and swords. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya will join you too with all their weapons. And then further into that chapter, you will come from your homeland in the distant north with your vast cavalry and your mighty army, and you will attack my people Israel, covering their land like a cloud. At that time in the distant future, I will bring you against my land as everyone watches, 
and my holiness will be displayed by what happens to you, Gog. Then all the nations will know that I am the Lord. Okay, so Gog is not to be confused with the Antichrist. These are These are two different right. individuals that will right. rise up, but we know that both will be defeated in the end. And he may be very much in, you know, they will be allies. He'd be an ally of the Antichrist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, then another question then is, where does all of this then fit into this eschatological discussion we've been having, the timeline of sorts? Does all of this take place during the tribulation, the millennium, before any of that? What does that look like? So when when Gog attacks and all those nations attacks, where is that in the timeline of, of things? Okay. Well, again, let me just reiterate. I probably haven't done this enough, but just let me reiterate. I am coming at all of this eschatologically from a pre-tribulational, pre-millennial theology. So some will not agree. As hard as this is for you to believe, Jen, some are not (laughs) going to agree with me on this. But anyway, this will take place during the first half of the tribulation. Mm. Some say at the beginning, some say near the midway point. We're not exactly sure, but we do know it's going to be during the first three and a half years of the tribulation. Okay. And since we are just scratching the surface with all of this, or at least it feels like it, why don't we take a deeper dive and just in brief into the identities of Gog and Magog? I mean, these are not run of the mill <laughs> names. Yeah, right. Will they Your next be, two dogs? I, could, I know. Well, <laughs> there we Gog go. And Magog. Will they be something new? Do they go back and did like is the origin of these names back in time? Old, yeah. You know, are they talked about anywhere else in Scripture besides Ezekiel? Aren't they in Revelation too? Yeah, good good questions. Let's go, you know, God questions helps us out again here. So kitchen table theologians, here we go. So hang on. Historically speaking, Magog, there was a person named Magog who was a grandson of Noah. Well, he was a good guy. Yeah, Noah was a good guy. <laughs> so the first time we see the word or the term Magog in the Bible is all the way back in Genesis 10, mm-hmm. verse 2. The descendants of that guy, Magog, settled to the far north of Israel, Mm -hmm. likely in Europe, northern Asia. The term Magog seems to be used to reference northern barbarians in general. Not good guys. Not good guys. But likely also has a connection to Magog the person. So, Mm -hmm. the people of Magog in Ezekiel 38 and 39 are described as skilled warriors. Mm -hmm. And you're right, in addition to Gog and Magog being referenced in Ezekiel, these names are also found in Revelation 20, verses 7 and 8. Now, here's where kitchen table theologians listen closely. We have two instances in Ezekiel and Revelation, and we see the same names. But when you study Scripture closely, it clearly demonstrates they do not refer to the same people and events. Mm-hmm. This is one of those areas where you go, you know, people go, this is why it's so hard to study the end times because it's so confusing, all these names. So you've got Gog and Magog in Ezekiel, you've got Gog and Magog in Revelation, and they're different. Mm-hmm. So let's just look at that a second. In Ezekiel, Gog is the leader of a great army that attacks the land of Israel when Israel is at peace Mm -hmm. and very unsuspecting of being attacked. The description from Ezekiel is that the nation of Israel will have security, and then watch this, has they they will have laid down their defenses. Now, can you imagine 
Israel as we know Israel now laying down their defenses. I mean, mm-hmm. it just doesn't seem mm-hmm. possible. So Israel is definitely not at peace now, and it is inconceivable to us that that nation would lay down its defenses apart from some major event. So I wonder what will occur to have Israel let its guard down like that. Well, you might recall Kitchen Table Theologian from a previous podcasts on this, Israel makes a covenant with the Antichrist which in effect is at the beginning of Daniel's seventh, 70th week, and we know from previous podcasts the 70th week is the seven-year tribulation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Daniel 9. Israel will now, because of this covenant, this pact that they have signed, the Antichrist will protect them, and they will be at peace and feel very much at peace. So it's likely that their defenses are down because of that. So according to Ezekiel, Gog will attack and then be defeated by God himself in the mountains of Israel. And the Bible says in Ezekiel 39, that slaughter will be so great, it will take seven months to bury all the dead. Mm -hmm. So you already mentioned this, but just for clarification, Gog and Magog are both mentioned in Ezekiel and Revelation, Mm -hmm. but they are not the same. They're not the same. They're right. And again, why it can get confusing sometimes. So Gog and Magog, those terms are referenced again in Revelation 20, verses 7 and 8. How about reading that for us? When the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations, which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together for war. The number of them is like the sand of the seashore. And they came up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, and fire came down from heaven and devoured them. So the duplicated use of the names Gog and Magog in Revelation 20, this is, again, kitchen table theologian, you do your, you do your own study, you draw your own conclusions, here's what I think. Those names are used to show that the people referenced in Revelation 20 are demonstrating the same rebellion against God and antagonism toward God as those in Ezekiel 38 and 39. It's similar to somebody today calling someone else the devil mm-hmm. because he or she is sinful and, and evil in that person's eyes. Well, they're just the devil. They're just, well, Get behind not, me, Satan. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that person's really not the devil, mm-hmm. but we might, well, man, this is, they're just the devil. We know that person's not really Satan, but because that person shares, in our view, some similar characteristics— mm-hmm. He or she might be referred to as the devil. The book of Revelation uses Ezekiel's prophecy about Magog to portray a final end times post-millennial attack on the nation of Israel. So catch that. Post-millennial attack. The Ezekiel 38 and 39 attack is in the first three and a half years of the tribulation. So very, very different. And the result of the post-millennial Revelation 20 battle is that all are destroyed, and Satan will find his final place in the lake of fire. And Kitchen Table Theologian, if you're listening closely, it's readily apparent that the Revelation reference occurs during the conclusion of the millennial reign of Christ. Ezekiel's reference takes place during the tribulation. Mm. Different times, different powers, different places. So it's important to recognize that the Gog of Magog of Ezekiel 38-39 is quite different from the one in Revelation 20, verses 7 and 8. 
Well, we always say we want theology to be applicable to the lives we live. So these current events, as scary as they might be, are bringing up some a lot heavy of, theological yeah, topics for yep, us to discuss. Well, are. thanks so much for listening today to Kitchen Table Theology. And we're celebrating something today, aren't we, Pastor Jeff? Again, I feel like, did we did we mention this? We did, but it's exciting, so we can mention it again. Yes, 25,000 <laughs> downloads. 25,000. 25,000. Yeah, when we started this during April of 2020, the, the worst month of the worst year we've since found out to start a podcast, we're just blown away by that. So Absolutely. over 3,400 downloads in the last month. Mm-hmm. So we don't know what, why, how this is happening, but we're we're really thrilled and happy that, that God is using this to help many folks in their doctrine and theology. So thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thanks for writing reviews. Thanks for rating us, all that kind of stuff. But most of all, really, thanks for listening and being part of this Kitchen Table Theology community. And if you enjoyed today's episode, do subscribe, do like, do share, and don't forget to check out today's episode notes. We want to give a special thanks to Danny and her team at Streamline Podcast for editing and sound designing today's episode. You can also find out more about their work at StreamlinedPodcast.com. And we want to thank Dylan Voorhees. He's here today recording, filling in for... Anna and Jamie and everybody. We got a whole team behind <laughs> we us. We do. Here. We have a whole we it's, have a whole techie team. <laughs> it's because Jen and I have no clue. Absolutely none. Absolutely <laughs> How none. How to do any of that. So <laughs> well, we also want to encourage you to head over to jeffcranston.com for more information about Pastor Jeff, his books, sermons, leadership notes, and blog post. Next week we're back with another great episode. And until then, always remember that the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, please check out our show notes. If you have a question from today's podcast, kindly email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.